Welcome to another episode of A Prairie Home Acid Trip. Hold the acid. I am, of course, your host, Acid Trip. And yes, yes, I stole that from Kevin Pollock because I am a hack and I own it. No, I won't keep it because it is his, but you were thinking it, I said it. So you can't joke about it. So, haha, beat you to it. And that song, of course, was from the three-time Grammy-winning album, By the Way, I Forgive You, by the incomparable, the songwriter of our century, of our lifetimes, Brandy Carlisle. And my God, did you see her? perform the joke on the Grammys? Did you watch that happen? Did you watch the crowd rise as though Noah himself was raising his hands um, at that crazy old sea and parting it to, I guess, to, to walk down the middle because he couldn't make a boat? I don't know. Like, why? I mean, it's, it's a really cool magic trick. I'll give him that much. It's awesome. But if you have the power to raise your arms to summon God himself and part the seas, I mean, why the hell wouldn't you just, I, I don't know, like a sturdy rowboat, you know, like a, like a, a comfortable schooner, something to go across the top. Why the braggadocio? Like, do you have to just... It's, it's, it's because he's a man, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it is. He just has to show um, that he can do it. He's doing it because he can do it. That's the end. That's the moral of the story. And they don't really touch on that in the Old Testament. But the whole thing with Noah, okay, is that he can do it. He's got a really young wife, like all the people in the Old Testament do, and he can part water by the power of God. And it's nuts. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, how is this a religion? And I'm going in some deep waters, waters that were I Noah, I could part using my arms and the power of God. So I'm going to get out of them because I ain't no Noah. I live alone with the cat. Okay. I live alone with the little kitty cat and um, I ain't going to part no waters. Now, if, if you give me a, a bottle of wine, uh, I'll, I'll drink it. If you give this, give you, uh, give me a, a glass of water, uh, I'll drink it not going to part it though. I mean, that that's just not going to happen. I wouldn't presume um, to, to even try to do that because I, as now a, there's a certain cop. Now he's a pretty famous detective. He worked in San Francisco in the seventies and early eighties. His name is Harry Houghton. And he said, a good man knows his limitations in a documentary known as Magnum Force. And I took it to heart. I mean, a good man knows his limitations. I 
know that I can't part water. I'm not good with numbers. And um, uh, I'm, I'm uh, socially inept. You know, you got to own these things. And once you do, they become strengths. And once they're strengths, you own them and you can wield them as you will. So that's fun. Uh, went off on a bit of a tangent there. I don't know where I started, where I meant to go, but here we are together and we're safe. <laughs> you know, at the, you know, just breathe in. I want, let's, you know, let, I guess let's, let's do that. Let's do Oh, oh, oh yes. I found it. I found it. Okay, guys, let's breathe from our diaphragms. Everybody hold your stomachs. Hold your stomachs. Like, then take a deep breath. Well, count to four. Breathe in for a count of four. Breathe in right now. And breathe out in three, two, one. It's important to breathe. And breathing from your diaphragm as somebody who has... Now, I don't like to brag. I'm not a braggadocious kind of guy. I'm, one could say, so humble, I deserve awards. And I have awards for being humble. From time to time, you know, experience uh, panic attacks and uh, bouts of extreme anxiety bordering on panic attacks. And breathing from one's diaphragm and focusing on the moment, it's not a cure, but it helps to focus you and center you. And you know what? You feel better. It's a natural high. You don't need drugs to get high, um, folks. Yet you just need to breathe deeply from your diaphragm. Let's do it one more time. Let's do a count of four uh, in three, two, one. Breathe in. One, two, three, four. Hold it for one, two, and breathe out. Three, two, one. I mean, don't you feel better? I mean, you feel a little bit calmer, right? It's great. It's fun. I'm here to preach fun and, of course, the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I tricked you! You're saved. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding. I guess this is as natural a transition as I'm capable of mustering on my own. So here we go. On to the show. And now, a thought. You know how in Forrest Gump he said, life is like a box of chocolates? You never know what you're going to get? Well, does that mean that... Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, well, I mean, you could, you could say that uh, that means... Uh, you know, no, God, no. You, you can't say anything. I mean, that's just a perfect thought. That is just perfect. Forrest Gump was a perfect movie, and that is a perfect thought. I can't beat it. You can't beat it. Don't try to. That's just great. 
I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is, and I'd make a good husband. And that was a thought. The world is a never-ending descent down into a well with no bottom toward a destination that changes based on your mood at any given moment. It is constantly in flux and unpredictable. It has no conscience. It cares not for your dreams or inclinations. It is fickle. On its face, this sounds awful. But once you accept the chaos and that literally nothing matters in the grand scheme of things, it can provide a sense of calm. Now, it might not be the calm that somebody experiences once they've decided to kill themselves, but it's something. At the end of the day, something is better than nothing. It's the little things that keep us going, and boy oh boy, am I ever grasping at the littlest of things with this one. Were I to die tomorrow, nothing would change. The world would keep spinning. The stock markets would open. The sun would rise. Sure, there would be people sad about me being wherever dead people go. But ultimately, undeniably, nothing would change. Understanding how unconsequential I am in the grand scheme of things is a relief. It's one less thing to worry about in a world that breeds worry, like a middle-aged woman in Connecticut picking out the best Pekingese of the litter to show at Westminster. Routine, if nothing else, keeps me going when nothing else will. I really enjoy the taste of coffee. Music is fantastic. A bottle of wine after a long day is joyous. The laughter of my friends. The purr of my cat. Life finds a way. It's all meaningless in the scope of the universe. But that's okay, because it's all we have. This is all we'll likely ever know, and that's fine. Life is nothing but a slow walk towards an undeniably inevitable fate. Now, I've been told it's inevitable, but my gut tells me I'll live until the sun explodes. Science and common sense might tell you that that's insane, but you literally can't disprove it. And that's got to drive some people crazy. Maybe I'm the guy who lives to tell the story of the humanity to the 23rd century. Spite keeps me alive, if this is true. It happened in the library. A book fell on my head. I fell and never rose again because it struck me dead. 
Teachers always told me reading helps to fill my brain. But what's the good of learning when your reading leaves you slain? And now, a thought. If people call TV the boob tube, why has nobody ever called books dick bricks? And that was a thought. Once upon a time, there was a table that melted into the floor. Trapped in the floor, it became infinite tables for infinite microorganisms. They were traded between infinite families and sold to infinite strangers. The infinite tables served infinite purposes that mortal eyes will never see. You put pickles on me sandwich. I didn't ask for pickles on me sandwich. I won't be paying for this sandwich. As long as there are pickles on it. Give me back my daughter. And that was Liam Neeson at a deli. Well, you know, there's probably no better place to end anything in the year 2019 than with a Liam Neeson impression. After what he's gone on the record as, you know, what he'd like to do to... We don't have to cover it. It's it's terrible. It, it's out there. You you know what I'm talking about. So it's, But it's, it's one of my dumb impressions that I'm not even good at, but I enjoy doing it, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll come to peace with it. I think that a real way that we can uh, come down from that uh, is to read a bit of an excerpt from a biography, an autobiography called Stories I Only Tell My Friends by Rob Lowe, who is in no way controversial and has in, uh, has said you know, nothing terrible. Chapter 12. The letdown that ensues when returning home after making a movie on location is something that all actors struggle with, particularly young ones. Fighting a stuntman, shooting a potential blockbuster, and living in your own hotel room is always going to trump doing chores, being back in your old bedroom, and answering to your parents. You've been on a high for weeks, on end, and now it's back to normal life, surrounded by people who can't really relate to what you've just experienced. So while I still hang out with my girlfriend, Melissa, and my high school buddies, 
I'm spending more and more time down the block at the Sheens. Emilio and I are inseparable and in constant touch with Cruz and Tommy Howell. We all have a suspicion and a hope that we've just been a part of something special, something that may eventually change our lives. That no one knows this makes it seem like we are living with a secret that, we could, that we'd like to share, but can't. Sort of like having a superpower that we, that's not come online or being a president-elect. For the moment, our lives proceed as usual, but in a few months, everything we think will change. It's a frustrating, if exciting, disconnect, and as I do with any situation that makes me feel at all uneasy, I found a way to deal with it. Pass me a beer, I call to Emilio as we sit, going over a script. There are stacks on his desk, and I recognize all of them. With the outsiders in the can, the only others who share our suspicion that the big things may lie ahead are a few key studio executives. They aren't offering us movies, as the public, for the most part, has no idea who we are. But they want us to come in and read for script uh, for major roles. At a minimum, my days of not getting the meetings I want are over. Wow. I mean, Rob Lowe, you spin a yarn like an expert. There's just no doubt about it. And... If you get a chance to take a look at this book, The Back uh, Dust Jacket, man, real handsome picture. That man can wear a watch. Well, I guess that'll do it for this week's episode. This episode, there's no schedule. I don't know. We, You know, life uh, fi- finds a way. Life is unpredictable. Uh, we, we could blink and it could all be over. Russia might explode us with the bomb. I don't know, you know. There, there's, there's no schedule. There's, who knows? All I'm saying is, um, and, and, like, I'm going to do my sign-off now. Here's my sign-off. This is me saying to you, I hope that you find peace and love in the coming days. And you guys, that's solid. This is the second week I've kept it, the second episode I've kept it. I might keep doing it. It feels good. It's positive. It's encouraging. Um, um, there's, I, I can't find any flaws with it like I can with everything else um, in this episode. That is solid. Until next time, if there is a next time, you know what? Maybe that's my, maybe that's it. You know, maybe I think that's it. Okay, you know, the other part, that's fine. It's fun. But here it is. Until next time, if there is a next time, goodbye.